Well, for the second year in a row, it was a tale of two halves in the Tennessee Vols against the Georgia Bulldogs. Tennessee Vols leading at the half. Come out in the second half, was much different. We'll discuss how much progress has Tennessee made. Did they make any? We'll discuss third and long right now. You are locked in, and it's third and long. Each week, Logan Ward hits you with the hardest opinions in college football, the SEC, and on Rocky Top. Logan is just like you. He's a fan. I mean, does anyone want to disagree with me that college football is not the best sport in the entire world? He's right. Now, I know people think this is crazy, but I'm always right. And I can tell you, I'm definitely right about this. He's humble. I know what I'm talking about. And that's just a fact. And he's in your face. Here, why don't you just sit back and I'll tell you exactly what you should think. Third and Long can be heard each week on iTunes and SoundCloud. Now, for Third and Long, here's Logan Ward. All right, well, Third and Long back at it again on a Thursday Looking ahead to the weekend, that is SEC football. Hello, thank you for being here with me today. My name is Logan Ward. Follow me on Twitter at LoganWard98. And be sure to like, review, and subscribe and listen every week to Third and Long on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And in this episode, we're going to break down a little bit of Tennessee versus Georgia. Did the Vols show any progress? Did they show any? I think... There's a little bit of both sides. They showed progress, but then they didn't. And I'll I'll explain myself here in a little bit. Also, we'll get to three against the spread picks as well. And I'll look a little bit ahead and predict the upcoming matchup with the Kentucky Wildcats at noon in Neyland Stadium on Saturday. But first, I've, after the Georgia game, gut reaction is a lot of hate, a lot of blame was put on the quarterback of the Tennessee Vols, that being Jarrett Garantano. And this is something that has happened for the last, I guess, ever since he was the starter, pretty much. Whenever I believe his first game he started was about three or four seasons ago against South Carolina. I know the team. I don't know the exact date of that. And even coming into his career at Tennessee, and this, this is a problem that I had discussed many times on this show other podcasts, radio, wherever, and with people, all the high-profile recruits, freshman recruits coming out of high school into these big-name programs like Tennessee, like Florida, like Georgia, like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, I can go on and name a whole bunch of them. I feel like a lot of the the expectations for these, these kids, these 18-year-old kids, are just way too high. And I think this is the exact same case with Jared Garantano. And in a way, it's the exact same thing that's happening with another quarterback on the roster, and that being Harrison Bailey. And I'll get into how he kind of works into this equation here in a little bit. But I saw a lot of blame on Jared Garantano just for how that game ended. And I'm not going to sit here and defend him. He didn't play great. I'm not going to say this was his worst game he's ever played because that would just be disingenuous of me to say. Jared Garantano in the 44-21 loss on the road in Athens on Saturday was 23-36, 215 yards. He threw two touchdowns to Josh Palmer, and he also threw an interception 
But I think the thing that stick out the most is, and I think where he's getting a lot of the wrong type of blame, is the fumbles. He fumbled three times and he lost two of them. Now, I've seen a lot of Tennessee fans are saying, well, that's on him. He needs to pick up those blitzes and he needs to recognize that they're coming and he needs to get the ball out sooner. To me, that is just, you know, people who say that are just kind of ball watching. And, th- and, and that's fine. People who don't really dissect the game and, you know, I guess the very average th- fans and just flat-out fans who are looking for someone to blame will have that argument. The thing about it is, and the truth of the matter is, those weren't all on the quarterback. Jeremy Pruitt has defended his quarterback numerous times this year. He did whenever he spoke with the media earlier this week, and he did it sometimes last year, and he said, hey, it's not always on the quarterback. And Saturday is the prime example of that. In those fumbles and in those sacks, he had defenders all over him. And rightfully so, hey, Georgia is one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best. I certainly think that they are probably the best in the country, even though we haven't seen defenses like Oregon and Ohio State play yet to this point. And those defenses will be very good as well. They don't have the talent level that Georgia has. Jared Garantino is not going to be the guy that goes out there and just plays perfect. That hasn't been him ever um, ever since he started at Tennessee. And that's the thing that I keep coming back to. The Tennessee fans who were blaming him week after week after week, every, every loss Tennessee has... There's some fans they, that who are just blaming the quarterback. And listen, I understand it. I have never been a quarterback um, in the SEC. Certainly no one will confuse me for being a quarterback in the SEC. I can imagine it's a pretty hard job, especially at a fishbowl. That is the SEC, and that is Tennessee. To where the Tennessee fans, that's really all they care about. I mean, yeah, they have the Titans and the Grizzlies are in the state as well. The Braves are playing right now. Tennessee football is the thing in Knoxville. It is. Just find out it is. And it is the thing and the number one scrutinized position on that field every week is the quarterback position that happens to be Jarrett Garantano. I think a lot of fans have not accepted Jarrett Garantano for what he is. He's an inconsistent quarterback. A lot of these Tennessee fans that are just saying, and listen, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. A, a lot of Tennessee fans are expecting their quarterback and most fan bases across the country. And whenever I say Tennessee fans, I'm kind of meaning every fan base because every fan base does this. They expect their quarterback to go out there and be the second coming. Expect him to go out there and lead the team to a victory. And if he's not 100% passing and he doesn't throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns, then he didn't play good. That's the unrealistic expectations, I think, that that are put on these college quarterbacks. Let's be honest, they're not all going to live up to that. They're just flat out not. Pro quarterbacks aren't going to live up to that as well. Patrick Mahomes didn't play all that particularly well against the Raiders this past week. Do you think there's any Kansas City Chiefs fan calling for him to be benched? And out... I'll get into the benching of Jared Garantano here in a minute and why that's just a dumb idea. Being a quarterback in the SEC is a hard job. This is Jared Garantano, and I touched on it last week. This is a game, the Georgia game was a game where Jared Garantano needed to win the game for the Vols. And a lot of people doubted that he did. 
Well, that he could. And he didn't. I doubted it. I didn't think he could. That's why I ended up picking Georgia winning. He is not a game-breaker. He is not going to go out there and win you a football game. What Tennessee coaches ask him to do, what Jim Chaney and Jeremy Pruitt ask him to do, is go out there, hand the ball off to your very good running backs, run behind that very good offensive line, who didn't play great on Saturday. Neither of those positions played great on Saturday, that being the running backs or the offensive line. And more importantly, they're asking Jared Garantano not to go out there and lose him the game. Don't go out there and give the ball away to the other team. And a lot of of Tennessee fans will hear that and say, and fans across the country will hear that and say, yeah, well, Logan, you mentioned he he lost two fumbles and, and, and threw a pick. So he gave the ball away three times. And yeah, trust me, you would be right because that's what the stats say. They weren't all on him, though. They really weren't. The offensive line didn't have a good day in, you know, the pass defense aspect of the game. Or, I guess, the protecting of, of a pass rush by Georgia. The running backs did a horrendous job as far as picking up blitzes. Eric Gray got beat on one. Ty Chandler, I probably assume, you know, I don't, I don't remember. They got beat on some because Georgia's a good defense. Let's face it. They're the best defense in this conference, given what we have seen out of Florida and Alabama. Florida and Alabama have been downright terrible on defenses. Go ask their fan bases. Texas A&M went up and down the field on Florida. Ole Miss went up and down the field on Alabama. In fact, I think they just converted another fourth down. Now, a lot of people are saying that Tennessee has already reached their ceiling with Jarrett Garantano. And I, I, yes, I agree with you. I agree that Jarrett Garantano can only get this Tennessee team to be in anywhere from the 5-5, five 7-3 and five, seven and three mark. And so that means, naturally, he should be benched, right? That means we're losing games and we should go 10-0 every year. That's unrealistic. And I get there's not a lot of Tennessee fans who are saying that because contrary to what a lot of people think across the country, I think Tennessee fans are very realistic. I think they know their football. Their fandom obviously gets in the way of a lot of stuff, but that's fans all across the country. I mean, come on. I'm a Yankees fan, and I say that we're going to win the World Series every year. I'm a Falcons fan. Well, that's different. The Falcons suck. But, you know, I'm, I'm a Yankees fan, and I say, you know, we're going to win the World Series every year just because, hey, we're the Yankees, and we've won 27 of them. Tennessee fans believe that, and that's fine. That's the nature of fandom. But to be unrealistic, let's be honest, I don't think you're beating Alabama this year. I don't think you're going to be able to score with Florida. Florida has a little bit of ways to go, and they obviously just shut down their uh, football activities for a couple of days. And the, the LSU game got postponed as well on Wednesday. You're listening to this on a Thursday. I'm recording this on a Wednesday. It was just postponed mere two hours ago. A lot of people are saying, well, we have to have someone better behind Jared Garantano. There has to be a quarterback better. And my response to that is, like, prove it. Brian Maurer, yes, he showed flashes at time last year, but he showed just as many bad flashes and, and flashes that he has a long way to go in, in his development. JT Shrout, yeah, he has a big arm, but we haven't really seen him face a defense like Jared Garantano has faced in any other game, definitely, I don't think, there's not a quarterback on that roster, and a lot of people have said this, you couldn't have put Peyton Manning 
out there on Saturday, and Tennessee would still not have won that game. Just flat out wouldn't. I think a lot of people in the, in the Tennessee fan base and across the country are just tired of seeing Jarrett Garantano at the quarterback position because they have to say, there's got to be someone better than him behind him. Just because Jarrett Garantano, he's decent, he has his moments, he's just inconsistent, and that's what he is. Tennessee fans are hoping that Harrison Bailey can work out. But then remember when I said a couple minutes ago that there are some unrealistic expectations put upon these high-level recruits. Jarrett Garantano was a high-level recruit whenever he came in. He was recruited as a dual-threat quarterback. We now, we haven't seen a whole lot of dual-threat in him. Now, he snuck the ball in a couple times, and he's ran the ball a little bit better this year than he has in years past. But he had unrealistic, um, unrealistic expectations coming in, just like I fear Harrison Bailey already has from these Tennessee fans as far as if he's not the second coming, it's an absolute failure, and whoever has developed him has failed. I don't think that's right. Being a quarterback in the SEC is 100% probably the hardest position to play in all of the country. And by the way, whenever I said Alabama and Florida's defenses are bad, and they certainly are bad, but they have dogs on those teams. They have dogs on that defensive line who can go get after you and guys in the secondary who can take passing lanes away. Being an SEC quarterback up against the worst defenses in the country or the worst defenses in this conference, I should say, is a hard job. Playing against Vandy, I'm sure it's a hard job. The the unrealistic expectations. Tennessee fans just need to accept. I get it. It's fandom. You want to be better than what you are right now. But I think with Jarrett Garantano at quarterback, with this Jarrett Garantano at quarterback, Tennessee can win six or seven games. He's not going to wow you. There might be times where he makes just some some head-scratching throws and he's going to overthrow someone that's just wide open, streaking down the middle of the field that's going to score a touchdown. He's going to do that. He's going to throw some boneheaded interceptions. That's just part of playing the quarterback position. He's not perfect. No one played perfect for Tennessee on Saturday. The offensive line certainly did not. The running backs certainly did not. The running backs and the offensive line didn't have a good day at all. Tennessee running backs, Eric Gray and Ty Chandler, carried the ball 16 times, only got 36 yards, and that offensive line didn't hold anything to Georgia's defensive line as far as getting after the quarterback. Nobody played perfect. It's not Jer- It's not all, I would say, it's not all Jarrett Garantano's fault that they lost that game on Saturday. Now, breaking down that game, and I mentioned it, did they make any progress? As you listen to Third and Long every week on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, I'm Logan Ward at LoganWard98. Please interact with me there. As the, and you heard me say last week, and I've said, you know, numerous places all over, you know, some different mediums as far as, you know, radio and Twitter and whatnot. I've said all Tennessee needs to show this year against their three rivals. The three teams that Jeremy Pruitt was brought in here to beat, that being Florida, Alabama, and Georgia, through three years he has shown absolutely nothing that they are not even close to beating one of those teams. Now, I get Alabama last year was a little weird. You played good in the first half against uh, Georgia back in 2019. You did the same exact thing this year. 
was there progress shown on Saturday? And I'm going to, I didn't know the exact definition of the word progress. So just in case you're curious, progress is defined by forward or onward movement toward a destination. And let's go through each part of that and define that forward or onward movement. Going into this year, I, I would tell you showing some progress, some forward and onward movement would be still beating the teams you are supposed to beat. And that's why I had Tennessee going 5-5. Five and five. And I think most realistic people would say 5-5 five and five was probably what's going to happen. Now, that, that doesn't mean Tennessee can't win 6 or 7 games this year because I certainly think they could. I'm not going to change my prediction. I talked about that a little last week. I'm, I'm still going to pick them to go 5-5 five and five just because those, those, those five losses, those teams just have flat-out better players than you, more proven better players, more experienced talent than Tennessee does right now. You just need to continue to beat the teams like South Carolina. Check. You've already done that. Missouri, you, you need to continue to beat them. Check. They did that. You need to beat the teams like Kentucky. You get to prove that this week. You continue to beat Vanderbilt. Well, you beat Vanderbilt. Tennessee has a chance to do that. You beat Arkansas. Tennessee can certainly do that. I define that as forward and onward movement. Now, to show real progress, you ask, well, do they need to go beat one of the big dogs? Do they need to go beat a Florida, Alabama, or Georgia? And I'll just throw Texas A&M and Auburn to the side because Tennessee obviously plays Florida, Alabama, or Georgia on a year-to-year basis. Just be competitive. And I've I've hammered this for ever now. Tennessee just needs to show that they can be competitive against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama because through three years of Jeremy Pruitt's tenure at Tennessee, and I feel like I've said this a hundred times, but I have to update it now. Pruitt now 0-7 versus rivals. Been outscored 295-105. to Excuse me, 299-105. to It hasn't been pretty. So did Tennessee show any progress on Saturday versus Georgia? Well, for the first half, you, you would say yeah, because they held a 21-17 lead going into the halftime break. A huge, huge look to be a game momentum-saving goal line stand at the end of the second half. You stuffed Georgia, and you didn't stuff Georgia through all, um, all of the second half. Your defense played pretty good on Saturday. They got gassed because the offense couldn't really do much, but they played pretty good on Saturday. So I would say for a half, yeah, they showed a little bit of progress. But then going back to what happened in 2019, it was the same exact thing. You were playing with Georgia going into the half. Came out in the second half, you didn't show up. That's what happened two years in a row against Georgia. Now, if I had to guess, did Tennessee show some progress? Yes. It looked different. You looked like guys who weren't just getting whipped at all positions. You actually put up a little bit of resistance. Even though that offensive line got kind of pushed around a little bit, I still thought that they I still thought that they showed some resistance and actually showed some ability to defend some guys on Georgia's defensive line. On defense as well, I already mentioned the big goal line stand. Your defense just got gassed at the end of the day against Georgia. And that's, and that's what's going to happen whenever an offense doesn't produce points and go out there and extend drives. And Tennessee certainly went three and out a bunch and didn't really move the ball other than maybe a first down or two in, um, in the second half. 
I still thought you showed some progress. But I could also sit here and make the argument that you showed no progress. I think it's somewhere in the middle because go back to 2019, the final score was 43 to 14. This season, 2020, was 44 to 21. There's not a whole bunch of difference there. You, you know, they scored one more point. You scored one more touchdown. So it's it's kind of here and there. If I had to pick, yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. You showed a little bit of progress. You showed that you were just good enough right now, right now at the start of October, to just play with a to play a half of football against one of the best teams in the country. The good news is. You have three other chances to play top 15 ranked teams in the country, and that being in Alabama here in two weeks. And we will certainly break that down next week as Tennessee faces Kentucky this week, looking ahead to Alabama. And then Florida at the end of the year, and then you still have Texas A&M right in the middle of the schedule. So Tennessee has their chances to show progress, to show forward and onward movement toward a destination. Because the destination for Tennessee is competing for the SEC East. Now, I don't know if they're quite there yet as far as a roster is concerned. Now, they are, they are certainly making the strides in that recruiting and just a program perspective. And I'm a big believer in Jeremy Pruitt and the staff he's put together as far as developing guys. Look at uh, uh, Jalen McCullough. I think Jim Cheney has done a pretty good job with Jared Garantano to this point. Now, Jim Cheney is certainly going to have to develop a guy like JT Shroud, I think all you know, ultimately Harrison Bailey, this is going to be his program, maybe even as early as next season or a year from then. Tennessee fans, Tennessee has a lot of opportunities for progress to show forward and onward movement toward a destination. But on Saturday, you just showed that you were good enough to play for a half, and right now, Tennessee fans should be okay with that. Because at the end of the day, you still have a lot of opportunities, and no one really expected Tennessee, because I didn't. There, there wasn't a lot of people picking Tennessee around the country, and, that, and that's fine. If you asked a lot of media members and a lot of people who watched that game objectively like I did, they would be saying the same exact things that what I'm, you know, the, the audio that you're hearing right now through me is, you were just good enough for a half. Can you take the next step? Now, it sounds like the same question that I asked last week and I have continued to ask. Can you progress and show that you can beat teams like Florida, Georgia, and Alabama? Because they have to beat those teams to where they ultimately want to go, to be in Atlanta, to compete for the SEC championship game, and then con- and then potentially compete for a college football playoff and national championship. you got to beat the teams like Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. And I think Saturday showed... They still have a ways to go, but they're making a little bit of progress. The score maybe didn't show that, but I think that they showed a little bit of progress. You listen to Third and Long at Logan Ward 98 on Twitter. Follow me there, interact with me there, and you can listen, like, review, and subscribe every week on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And now breaking down the Kentucky game, I'm only gonna, you know, not, you know, keep it a, a long podcast today just because I think, you know, really honestly, I this Kentucky game has been, for the last couple of years, has been kind of bizarre because Kentucky has showed that they that they have a winning culture. That's what Jeremy Pruitt and some other coaches around the conference and country has called the program that Mark Stoops has built there in Lexington, and that's certainly a very hard job, and Mark Stoops has done wonders there. 
They said that Mark Stoops has developed a winning culture. Go back a couple years ago, uh, Kentucky had their best team in school history, brought them to Neyland Stadium. Ultimately, Tennessee beat that 10-win team with a good running back in Benny Snell. You had, you had the same quarterback this year. Terry Wilson is that team. Last year, obviously, Lynn Bowden at quarterback for Kentucky. You go on the road to Lexington. Tennessee stops him at the goal line and gets a humongous win. But I feel like this week, it's been kind of weird. I haven't seen a whole lot of national pub from this game. I think it potentially has to, you know, has the ability to be a pretty good game. But at the end of the day, Tennessee has better players. They do. If there's one advantage that, that Tennessee probably doesn't have, or that Kentucky has, that's a better way to phrase it, it would be their offensive line versus Tennessee's defensive line. Because Kentucky can flat out run the ball with Rose and Rodriguez, you know, they're they're not they're not amazing at it. They're pretty good at it. They're 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 running for two hundred and twelve yards per game. Tennessee's rush defense has only given up hundred and twenty one. But the way, you know, I look at this game is I look at it as, okay, you need to come out, you need to set an identity. What is Tennessee's identity? Because it kind of changed from week one to week two is in week one, you you know, Jared Garantano threw the ball for over, you know, 30, 35 times. I don't think that that needs to be the game plan for Tennessee. You need to run the ball 30 to 40 times a game and allow Jared Garantano to throw it anywhere from 20 to 25. I think that's the winning formula for Tennessee because Jared Garantano, he's not going to wow you. I mentioned that. He's not going to go out there and beat teams through, you know, through the air. I look at this game as an opportunity for Tennessee to establish an identity on offense up against a pretty good team. And then also, establish the run and open up the big passing plays down the field that Jarrett Garantano can hit his receivers like Ramel Keaton, like Brandon Johnson, like Josh Palmer, because Josh Palmer played very, it, it was very Jawan Jennings-S at Georgia this past week, caught two touchdowns against a very good corner. This is a very good opportunity for Tennessee to impose some will against a good team because I ultimately think that they can. That offensive line, yeah, they kind of had a bad week. To me, it kind of thinks, you know, I think this Tennessee offensive line is going to have a very, very bad taste in their mouth just because of how people are talking about them. And I'm seeing a lot of the TVA jokes and that they're, you know, without power and everything like that. And, you know, they, they didn't play great on Saturday. They didn't. I think they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth and have some bad intentions from here on for the rest of the season. I look for Tennessee to establish the run early and then let Jarrett Garantano make some plays through the air and give him some confidence. Because Kentucky against the pass, granted they've played two pass-heavy teams in Mississippi State and Ole Miss, giving up yards per game through the air. Kentucky's secondary is not great. 276 yards per game. Jarrett Garantano was thrown for 220 yards. Excuse me, 222 yards per game through three games. And it's going to be there. Tennessee's going to have guys open. They have some good wide receivers. They're not great wide receivers, but they have some very serviceable wide receivers that I think Jarrett Garantano, if he gets the appropriate time to sit back there and have a clean pocket, because that's something that Jeremy Pruitt mentioned in, um, in the Missouri game post-Missouri game that he didn't think the pocket was all that clean and it really wasn't very clean for the second half of the Georgia game it was pretty clean for the first half I 
at least at least I think so, just from an observer standpoint. Tennessee can impose their will on Kentucky. Ultimately, prediction time, drum roll. I have Tennessee winning thirty-one to twenty, and I was looking at some predictions, you know, before I I started recording this, and I saw some scores like twenty-seven, twenty-four, and you know, twenty-six to four uh, to uh to uh to twenty. Some very kind of not weird scores, but just the margin was closer to victory in favor of of Tennessee than what I ultimately think that they're going to win by. I have them winning by eleven. I have Tennessee covering minus six. With some ease, I think they're going to have a chance to go out there because, you know, they always beat Kentucky. Like I mentioned a couple of years ago, whenever the best team in school history in Kentucky came to Neyland Stadium, Tennessee smoked them. And that's just the standard at Tennessee. You dominate Kentucky. I ultimately think that they can dominate them. Now, Kentucky's pretty good on the defensive line and offensive line as well. You're, It's going to be a challenge. It's, it's not going to be a cakewalk. But at the end of the day, Tennessee has better players. And whoever has the better players usually wins the game. So I like Tennessee 31-20 over the Kentucky Wildcats on Saturday afternoon. Now, let me get into my three against the spread picks this week. And I have, you know, a couple of, you know, big games. You know, I don't want to call them huge games. We'll start out in the American UCF minus 3.5 versus Memphis. I'm going to take... UCF minus three and a half. I think that there's just a whole bunch of offense. Dylan Gabriel is unbelievable. And UCF is kind of facing a lot of hate. A lot of people saying, you know, after the we're, we're the best team in, in, in the state of Florida comments, you go lose to Tulsa. I think UCF's going to come out with their hair on fire. And I think they're going to go through Memphis pretty easily because Memphis doesn't play a whole lot of defense. Now, UCF doesn't either, but UCF has a much more high-powered offense than Memphis. It's on the road in Memphis, but I think UCF's going to win this game by about two two scores to about 10 points. Next game, Louisville plus 17 versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame minus 17 favorite. I'm going to go Louisville plus 17. I don't think Louisville's great. I don't think Notre Dame's great. Notre Dame had a little bit of trouble with Florida State. Now, the score wouldn't tell you that, but Florida State looked pretty good, and they were able to move the ball against the Notre Dame defense, who was supposed to be pretty stout coming into this year, and defense is, I guess, that's the trend this year. If you're supposed to have a good defense, ask Alabama, ask Florida, you're not all that great. And I'll get into Alabama here in a minute. I'm going to take Louisville plus 17. I think they're going to be able to score. I think this line is way too high. I, I think it should be about, you know, anywhere from 14 to 10 range, maybe about, you know, set around at 12. I would take Louisville plus 17 very, very quickly and hope it don't drop down. I like Louisville plus 17 a lot. That's actually my lock of the week. Now my next one, the big game, the game of the century of the year in the SEC, SEC that being Alabama minus six and a half versus Georgia. Primetime game on CBS. I like Georgia plus six and a half in this game. And whenever the line first opened, I think it was about a touchdown. So it's dipped down to a half a point. And I simply think that's part of, you know, hey, Alabama, they're looking sexy. We all can admit offense scoring a whole bunch of points. That is sexy. Playing good defense, scoring 30 something points a game, you know, you know, 
you know, you know, in the twenties, but playing unbelievable defense. That's boring. No, no one wants to watch that. People want to watch games that are up in the forties and fifties. That's what Alabama does, and that's not what Georgia does. So I, that's why I think this line is way too high. I think this line should honestly probably be about Alabama minus two. I'm going to pick Georgia plus six and a half right here. I think it's going to be a lot lower scoring than what people think. I think the Alabama defense will play better. Nick Saban will demand that because it looked like Nick Saban was just going to have a come apart on Saturday night in Oxford the way Lane Kiffin, which I, I, I just want Lane Kiffin to beat Nick Saban just for Twitter purposes, and we're going to have that for the rest of eternity. It looked like he was going to have a come apart on that sideline on Saturday night. Rightfully so. Ole Miss is a pretty good offense. Matt Corral's played pretty well. And Lane Kiffin, say what you will about his stuff off the field and his use of Twitter and some of his antics and stuff and the way he was wearing his mask the other night, which, which is very funny. If you haven't seen it, go look up a picture. It's it's pretty funny to watch. The dude could just flat out call plays. <laughs> People might not always agree with how he does other stuff. And, you know, I, I guess the jabs that that he was taking at Nick Saban in the media and leading up to last week was all very funny, which I'm a very big fan of. Nick Saban, excuse me, Lane Kiffin can flat out call plays. He's one of the best in the conference, and therefore he's one of the best in the country at getting his quarterback and his receivers and running backs to play as one and go put up points against a very, very talented defense. That being said, I think Alabama's defense will kind of come back down to earth a little bit and you know they'll play more like an Alabama defense that we are accustomed to seeing under Nick Saban. And Georgia's offense looked pretty good on Saturday. I was very impressed with that offensive line. I didn't think, you know, coming into this year, I thought they had a chance to be a decent offensive line. But they were going to be better um uh, be better than last year's offensive line cuz that offensive line lost a whole bunch of guys. Caden Mays being one of them, Isaiah Wilson, who got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. I thought the offensive line could take a step back from Georgia. I was downright pretty impressed with them against Auburn. I was impressed with them against Tennessee. I think Georgia will be able to move the ball a little bit and keep that Alabama, keep Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Jalen Waddell off the field because if those guys get the ball, more than likely, they're going to go down there and they're going to get some points. I think this chance, this has to be a game in about the 20s for Georgia to win because if it gets over about 35 points for Alabama, I don't think they'll win. I think it's going to be kind of a defensive slugfest or at least both of these coaches are hoping so because that's just what they're comfortable in doing. But I'm going to take Georgia plus 6.5. I think this line is way too high. If I was to set the line, I already said I'd put it at minus 2 for Alabama. And that will wrap this up this week's episode of Third and Long at Logan Ward 98 on Twitter. We'll be back next week breaking down Tennessee versus Kentucky and then looking ahead to the matchup with Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide because it has a chance to be very, very interesting for Tennessee. Alabama having to play Georgia this week like I just talked about. Tennessee gets kind of a, I want to call it a get-right game, but it's a, it's a hard get-right game against the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll break it all down next week. Follow me on Twitter at LoganMore98. And remember to like, review, and subscribe to Third and Long each week on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We will be back next week with another edition of Third and Long.